Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Enger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So we have a lot going that had gone on over the weekend, at least for Chris. So I definitely wanted to start there, but today we're going to be talking about just basically sleep in general, how to maximize your um, daily routines based on how you basically, it's kind of based on the book of the power of when. So, and then Mm -hmm. also just sleep hygiene and when you're going to be the most productive throughout your day and how you can uh, kind of navigate your sleep cycles and regimen to make that the maximum uh, benefit. So why don't you just start first with your trip to CBUS, Columbus, and let us know how that all went. Yeah, so this was my second time at the Arnold, and uh, the last time I had been there was 2019, I believe. Okay, yes. Um, And so I was really curious to see what the event would be like after there wasn't an expo last year with COVID. And um, I have to say, I feel like the Arnold didn't disappoint. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I always really like uh, seeing just a whole bunch of different people invested in different sports coming together, uh, experiencing each other's um like like I said perspective sports and talking with different people it, it was a lot of fun uh we did go to the expo on Friday and Saturday and Friday was we got there right early in the morning there was a long line to go in but it wasn't super crowded it was actually a perfect time to do our shopping and visit all the booths that we wanted to visit look at what the deals were we Definitely went on like a fitness shopping spree. That's what the Arnold is for. Um, So TC got some nice birthday uh, things. But like I said, Friday was really nice to be able to just kind of like scope out all of the the booths and get the things that we wanted. And then Saturday, um, I did sit and watch pre-judging for wellness, men's physique, and uh, bikini. And it was super crowded on Saturday, uh, I guess, because it's the weekend and more people are off of work. So it was good to get our shopping done Friday and then be able to see the pre-judging at the expo on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I I heard you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You hear him? He yeah, he's outside the door. He wants to be on the podcast. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed watching uh, Laura Lee when. Uh, first place Saturday night uh, with finals and watching Isabel Nunez win first place for wellness. Uh, There was a lot of different things that I noticed with different competitors, but um, I think just seeing like the joy of people's faces when they finally get that Arnold classic trophy was really, really priceless. I know they're like, that's like all over Instagram right now. I feel like every time I scroll, it's like a recap of Laura Lee or Isabel winning. So uh, that was kind of cool to see in person. Um, did you want me to talk specifically about the things that I saw with certain bikini competitors that was new this year? Yeah, well, let's first start by what everybody's placements were. And then okay. if you want to just add in anecdotally some things that you saw with each competitor, I always think that that's kind of a cool way to recap things. So 
obviously so you, me organized. you had mentioned Laura Lee had one first and she was awarded $10,000 for Miss Bikini International yes. and she has never won that title. So pretty cool. Um, as far as what her look was like and everything, since you saw that all in person, why don't you describe that to our audience? What yeah. was unique about uh, her? So I definitely thought that she had the like perfect suit color. I know like the purplish blues are very popular. Her color suit, I think, was really good on her. Um, and I think her overall look, just with her hair, makeup, was really elegant. And she came out on stage very confident, very comfortable. Like you could tell uh, that she was ready for this event. I even felt like her routine was a little bit longer. Like she kind of took a little bit more time to pause and scan and look at all the judges. Uh, like I've seen um, Angelica do when she's been on the stage before. Like she really took her time to present herself and even did like two different sides of her drop step when she was turned to the back. So um, I just thought her presentation was was stunning and she was very captivating on stage. Yeah, that I mean, she's just always very sultry and she's mm -hmm. really really strong competitor so with Jen Dory not being there when it was really close between the two of them she was obviously my pick that I had mentioned um, on the last podcast yeah. and so no surprise there um, interesting though that she you know this is her first big win with her new coach Kim Odo so she was previously coached yes. by um, you know team Atlas so that's been interesting to see her new journey. Mm -hmm. um, anything that you saw different about her physique from the Olympia compared to this time? Um, nothing like outstanding. Um, I definitely feel like she's put a little bit more size on her legs, but not much. Like, unless you're like really like dialing in into the minor details. Um, she like brought a very similar look, but she. I don't know. Maybe it was her stage presence. She was just like, she was on it. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's pretty much the biggest difference I noticed. Yeah, I think that really resonates. I think that that was Janet's really big pivotal uh, turning point when she won the Olympia. She had always you know, previously gotten second in a lot of the big shows for several years. And it was just that change in attitude. I think that the judges noticed like with her confidence. So it doesn't surprise me. Those two really remind me a lot of each other. They have like similar type of suit color and similar type of physiques where they're both pretty tall. Uh, she yes. reminds me a lot of um, Janet Lugue. So, um, okay, so second place was Maureen Blanco-Kisco. I can never say her last name. <laughs> I you, can't either. Yeah, can you pronounce that better? I don't know. She won $6,000. No. So I really liked her new suit color. She had worn red to the yes. Olympia and this, uh, how would you describe it under, you know, under the lights sometimes looks different than what it looked like in person. Yeah. So it looked teal to me from where I was sitting, like a bright, uh, brighter blue, like tealish color. Um, and I didn't really see, I don't think anybody else wore that color. She very much stood out. I feel like she was also the shortest person on stage. Like we talked about in the last podcast that there was a lot of tall girls um, but she held her own, like, um, she was stunning. And I think she was a fan favorite. A lot of people were commenting about how good she looked and they liked her look. 
So it's no surprise that she got second place. I know um, when I was watching prejudging, both Laura Lee and um, Ashley Kay were actually splitting the middle. And um, when we went to or when we watched finals, they actually moved Ashley Kay out and Maureen in. So um, I know there was like a three point difference between second and third place. So Maureen, she locked in second place and then Ashley Kay came in third. Yeah. And I think that's a, a point that a lot of people miss if they don't know the nuances of the sport. So in prejudging in the NPC, the judging's basically done other than first place uh, for the overall. Um, obviously, in the pros, there is no overall. Um, it's every height class together. And so that confirmation round in the finals actually can completely change your placing. And it has, and we've seen that historically. Just for example, um, in Chris's last show, Alexander mm-hmm. Ross was in second callouts on the outside in the prejudging and then um, with the confirmation round of finals, she ended up actually moving herself up into that first, you know, the top six um, at the Tahoe show. So, and I know that I've heard other pros say that they've improved their placements or um, gone down in placement just based off of, you know, how they change or what adjustments they make in between. And I know JM's mentioned that too. Um, for example, I had interviewed uh, Beatrice, and she was saying that, you know, JM pulled her aside and kind of um, showed her the ropes at her first Arnold and said, you know, you really need to try to bring something better. When I, I mm. forget what it was, like fill her out or something. And she actually did uh, do better and kind of like moved up from where she was going to be sitting after the prejudging round. So there's something really to that confirmation round. Yeah, it was wild. I like <laughs> it definitely kept it interesting seeing them like move around. You like never know what the judges are thinking. But after prejudging, I was pretty much like set in my top four. And then when they moved, uh, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, like hang on, everybody. So, um, yeah. And as far as like Ashley K, um, I felt like she looked really uh she looked a lot tighter it looked like she put some more volume on her glutes from when i had seen her last at the olympia um like her ham tie-in looked a little bit tighter she was definitely a huge contender from the back those top three girls like maureen laura Lee, and ashley just had amazing uh back poses um i did feel like ashley uh, either was ab vacuuming a little bit weird. Uh, her abdomen just looked like a little bit off to me. And normally she has like really beautiful like ab lines, a really nice waistline. And um, I don't know what it was for something. For some reason, it looked a little bit off to me. And I don't know if that is what kind of um, like created her like bump down. Um, but needless to say, like top three is amazing at this event where they only allow uh, 20 bikini athletes so yep. um and she yeah. got 4,000 for third place and then fourth place yeah. was Issa Pacini she was awarded 3,000 and I thought it was an interesting suit color for her she's always yeah. in that really pretty mint and I just think it really pops with her for me like when she won the Arnold when she won the Olympia she was wearing that mint color and it's really mm-hmm. her signature color and I I feel like with the pros, you really shouldn't change your suit color constantly. Uh, even if the judges have recognition of you, 
if there's a suit color that's working for your skin tone and um, they have awarded you the top in the world, which is what she was, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like you should stay with that. And um, I know that like historically Ashley K had always worn green and then she kind of mixed things up and now she all she wears is red, which I think it was a good move because, you know, when she was winning those top three-time Miss Bikini Olympia, she was in the green. And then she mm-hmm. kind of like shook things up and started moving up in the ranks after coming back, after taking some time off um, in the red. So I think, you know, you probably can say better than I um, in terms of like what her physique looked like on stage that day. But I personally, I didn't, I think maybe the red probably wasn't the best fit for her. Yeah. She's still wearing her like suit, uh, like bottom tie for the top, like on a diagonal. I know we've talked about that before. So it's still coming like down on her rib cage. Um, and I know her legs sometimes can look a little muscular. She does a really good job posing, but I know she's got like, some good muscle mass on her legs and when I was like looking at her in the red I just kept associating her with the top three wellness girls from the Olympia with like the blonde hair then like nice quad sweep and it's not the same like don't get me wrong she did not look like a wellness competitor but um I definitely think that you're right that mint green just like sets her apart and um the only other thing I saw with Issa is just her ham tie and didn't look as sharp as the top three girls. Everything else, like, she knocks it out of the park. Her waistline is super tiny. She's absolutely stunning. Her posing is amazing. So, to me, that's that was the difference I saw. It was just that little bit from the backside. Yeah, and then fifth place was Jordan Lee. And I had mentioned that I really was excited to see how she did in this Arnold. I think she's always, you know one of those pros that has won a lot of pro shows, but sometimes they're like the lesser known shows and things like that. And so I was really curious to see how she would do. Uh, What were Mm. your thoughts on her? Yeah, I thought she did an amazing job with stage presence. um, And I actually really liked in her routine, like Amy had mentioned in the last podcast, she has like really tight curly hair and she did an amazing job, like utilizing that by like, uh, like just putting her hand up and grabbing her hair and like fluffing it. Um, I don't know. She just added some really nice touches of flair that I had not seen before. And I think we get it a lot with the girls with real long, like shiny hair. And it was kind of really fun to see her uh, utilize her hair in her posing. But she she shined on stage. They very quickly move her to the middle in the second call outs. I was actually sitting right next to her husband who uh, was like so sweet, like cheering for her, but like very quiet as well. Um, But yeah, she, she definitely stood out on stage as well. Yeah. And then do you want to just go over the last kind of um, the rest of the list there? Sure. Yeah. So uh, sixth place, sixth place was Alessia Facin. Um, and she looked absolutely stunning. I love her smile. I feel like she just looks so happy to be up on that stage. Uh, to me, her physique is a little muscular in comparison to some of the top girls. Um, but again, absolutely beautiful on stage. And she, you know, these top 10 girls had all, all of the hair, makeup, suits done pretty well. Uh, seventh place was Lucia Malavez. Malavez? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she was very interesting because she had leg tattoos. Um, so I know like we don't see a lot of that on the top bikini girls, but she, I, I really liked her presentation as well. She did like a spin in the beginning, kind of like we've seen with some of the wellness competitors and her waistline was super teeny tiny. Um, they moved her around a bit too, but she, she looked absolutely stunning and she was at the angel competition booth as well. So uh, let's see. Eighth place was Lauren Dana Miller, who I also saw at the angel competition booth. Um, she wore a different color suit as well. Kind of what Amy was talking about was she had won her pro show in like a teal color. And this was like a darker blue purple, which I think popped really well. But again, that circles back around to should a pro be changing up their suit color if they're being awarded uh, first place in a different color. Um, needless to say, I think Lauren looked really amazing. I think she did a good job with her presentation. Um, to me, my personal opinion was I didn't see as much muscle and like her hamstring um, from the back. She has the amazing like three-dimensional glutes, nice tight glute ham tie-in, um, but her legs are pretty slender. So that was a big difference I noticed with her. Um, ninth place was Phoebe Hagen, which she just has like a fun personality on stage. She was, she was a lot of, uh, she was interesting to watch. Um, and 10th place was Allison Testu, which, um, she, she looked a little bit drier than some of the other girls on stage, but again, nothing like outrageous or crazy when we get to like this level on the top 10 with the Arnold athletes, it's like the most smallest tiny details that they're looking for uh, to set athletes apart. So um, I think she did a great job as well. I'm going to say that's about everyone. Um, but I think like maybe conditioning was a little bit off and that might've worked against her. Okay. Okay. So that recaps the Arnold and we have, you know, a brief amount of time here to talk about the sleep. So do you want to go ahead and just dive right into the, um, some of the bullet points, more consistent sleep and wake schedule, how that can kind of affect us and how that's a good practice. And then I can, I can go into the different, the four different types, um, if you'd like. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, so about energy being good. Yeah, so just like the chronotypes and um, trying to find a schedule that works for you and things like that. So, um, yeah. So when we talk about the whole sleep cycle, there's basically the power of when. If you read the book or you take the quiz online, you can kind of figure out what type of chronotype you are. And basically, there's four different sleeping patterns that people fall into category-wise. And I myself fall into the lion uh, chronotype. And that basically means that there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are usually lions. If you think about a lion's schedule, they rise very early to kind of hunt. And people that are lions, they are just more productive, creative, get a lot done before most people are even thinking about breakfast or even awake. Um, so it's just important that if you are a lion to note that and to 
work your schedule around the fact that you should be making your crucial decisions. You should be planning that that's in the morning because at night you're going to get extremely tired. Nothing will get in the way of you falling asleep. Um, you're not a night person. Um, and so mm. don't make any like major decisions or, you know, if you're working out, you should work out earlier in the morning, uh, get the things done that you really need to get done right away. And um, I, I believe we talked about the fact that you would probably be a bear. Do you want me to oh, yeah. explain what that would be? Or Yes. Okay. So a bear, they don't do well with um, high activity type of decisions and creativity late at night <laughs> or early in the morning. So you're more of a mid morning person and it's beneficial for a bear to just similar to them coming out of the cave, like they have to stretch, oxygenate, kind of wake themselves up a little bit. And then they're more productive, like mid morning, uh, through mm -hmm. afternoon. And so uh, you can speak more on this, but you're kind of talking about your walks and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since we were traveling, we got out of the routine of having like a 20 minute walk in the morning. It was literally like the first thing we would do is like brush our teeth, put on clothes and, and walk the dogs and um yeah we got out of that habit because we were out of our like natural habitat i guess you could say and i noticed that it was like taking me longer to get my day started i was like just dragging um and it wouldn't be until like mid-morning when i was at the gym that i would start feeling awake so definitely that's something we've reincorporated since being back home um because it just makes such a big difference yeah and they're they're kind of like grouchy a little bit when they wake oh, up. Oh, for first. sure. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> no so talking. Hard to wake up um, from the snooze. And then another subset, which are the wolves. So these are basically people that you would think of as like a night owl. And so this is basically what my husband is. He does not get his most productive work at all during the morning. He's very hard to wake up, very sleepy, but he is extremely creative and productive late at night. And um, he's the type of person that would book a flight that lands at midnight, and he'd be totally fine with that. But, like, if you tried to book a 5 a.m. flight, unlike myself, which those are my best flights, I'm good with yeah. getting up that early, he would be a mess. Um, so it's you have to kind of know where you're most productive and that you can kind of get into that space where you're going to do the most. And so... The fourth and final one is the dolphin, and basically they're somebody... So dolphins actually sleep with only half their brain at a time so that they can be alert for danger or opportunities and mischief. So they quite literally sleep with, like, one eye open. Um, these are the people that just are insomniacs. They are constantly... Their brains, they can't shut off, and they have a really hard time sleeping in general. So um, fatigue, difficulty concentrating during the day... It's really difficult for them. So it's important for them to have like an evening yoga routine or meditation to making sure that they're trying to wind themselves down so that their circadian rhythms are, you know, helping them out and that their bedtime routine is really, it gets their anxious thoughts away from them. So like actually therapy, like putting their thoughts into words so that they can kind of deal with their feelings and not be, you know, having things bear down on them all night long or, you know, making um, a list so that they can 
you know, feel like they can go to sleep and reaching for a book instead of the TV so that they're not getting that electronic stimulation because they're already going to be a subset that's very, um, like, perfectionistic and they're yes. just, like, have a hard time shutting off their brain. So um, a lot of people in this chronotype are basically people that are um, surgeons, engineers, analysts, musicians, um, advanced mathematics. It's just, it's hard to find like that sweet spot for when you're going to be the most alert. So you can actually measure which one you are by your temperature um, with the exception of the dolphin. So for example, at night, if your temperature starts dropping around 7 p.m., then you're likely a lion. They have a very easy time going to bed. Um, Bears like yourself, they will start to fall asleep around 9, and that's when their temperature will drop. And then wolves, it's more like 10 p.m. or beyond. So um, I didn't know if you wanted to go over some of the precision nutrition items that would help people with their routine. Sure. I definitely wanted to add, I think this is so interesting about the, uh, well, I like the animal association, but when we travel for shows, it makes so much sense when we're sharing a room. Yes. Like Amy is very much like it's time for bed. Like immediately lights go out and she's asleep. And I'll be like sitting in the room like, oh my gosh, like I still have like two more hours. So usually I'll like, uh, I'll I'll read or um, do something, but I I admire that. I totally, um, I know like with getting up early in the morning, I always want to fall asleep earlier, but it makes sense about like those, those sleep schedules. Um, and you're always good about getting on those early flights too. I'm always booking a flight, like Around same time, time, like 11 mid morning. Yes. Yeah. So that's wild. Because you're, you're where, yeah. And it's, it's funny because when you think about travel, like I was saying with my husband, he can so easily do these late nights and it just, it's like torture for me. And really if you are sleep deprived, it is a form of torture. I mean, you're not a productive person. So it's important to know what your chronotype is and what your circadian rhythms and to work within your strengths of when you're the most productive, setting up your day so that when you have the most energy, the most creativity that you're doing that and it's I mean I would not be able to exercise like even mid-morning afternoon or night and I just know that I wouldn't be very productive in the gym and I'm sure you're the same way with if you were trying to do it early morning or late at night yes yeah which is why our podcast is directly after both of us have gotten our workouts done so (laughs) we're both awake (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yep and so let's talk about just the safe sleep space I know we've we've touched different points of sleep but I just want to kind of reiterate some of the the tactics because you mentioned hotel room and I feel like that's when I know that I have to be hyper aware of making sure that I get a good night's sleep in a hotel because it's it's so much different when you're not in your own environment um yeah your sleep schedule can really be thrown off yeah, I think it's normal to just be a little bit on edge because it's not your safe place that you've been in all the time. Um, and I think there's a couple things you can do just to like mentally be able to turn off and relax. 
And um, of course, there's like the things that we know about, about keeping the room cool, like at a 68 degrees, I think is what they recommend. Um, and then making sure your curtains are, you know, the blackout cur curtains are drawn so that you're not getting any street light. But just making sure that you, you know, lock the door um, to make sure that you feel safe being in like a different um a different room or a different space than your bedroom. Uh, so like locking the door uh, for me, I at home sleep with a fan, like a box fan that helps like drown out noise. And I don't know the, the constant like rhythmic noise puts me to sleep. So I'll use like a white noise app on my phone. Um, and if you, uh, I've even slept with like earbuds in my ears, if I'm sleeping in a room with somebody who doesn't like the white noise, um, and that just will kind of like drown out everything and kind of help me associate with being at home. Um, or I know people will bring like uh, earplugs. Uh, sometimes they'll bring a sleep mask. I just think if there's certain things that you exhibit at home in your nighttime routine, it's really good to kind of duplicate that when you're in a new environment to kind of just help with the association of being able to relax and get into sleep. Yeah, and I think any kind of like conflict resolution you want to make sure that you're not going to bed they always say I remember when I was doing my um like bridal showers and things that like, they give you advice about like when you're married and they're always like oh don't go to bed angry and but it yeah. is really true not just like with your spouse but like your any sort of relationship you don't want to go to bed angry um you want to make sure that lights are dimmed you know, the hour before sleep and that you're not getting any sort of blue light interaction. And then even just some, some of the times the alarm clocks. So at my house, yes. um, I don't have any light at all, but then like if I'm at a hotel, there'll be an alarm clock that the light's super bright. So I always yes. try to like unplug it or turn it on dim or put like a sheet over it or something so that for some reason that little bit of bright light really bothers me. And it, it gives me a, yes. like a hard time to go to sleep. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another thing too, is like, if you're having trouble sleeping, I know I've made this mistake of like waking up and either like looking at my phone or looking at the alarm clock and um, just like creating more anxiety by doing like my own countdown of like, wow, I've only slept two hours and I'm, or I'm going to need to wake up in so many hours, I better get to sleep. Uh, or calculating like, wow, I'm going to operate on four hours of sleep now because I can't sleep. Like, don't do the math. Don't stare at blue light. Like, just focus on relaxing. I know sometimes just like getting up and walking to the bathroom uh, and just like climbing, then climbing back in bed kind of helps me reset as well to just be able to relax. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's a tip I would recommend. Yeah, I always have that trouble because I'm afraid on show day the night before show day like my mind's running like I'm gonna miss my makeup appointment or, or my alarm's not gonna go yes. off in time and so I have like all this anxiety I end up getting way less sleep than I should yeah. have and then same with like if you're trying to catch a flight and you yes. need to wake up at a certain time but you've gone to bed late uh, it can create a lot of anxiety and stress so I think just you know kind of creating reframing your thoughts and your beliefs around what's going to happen if you don't sleep well you just need to make sure that you're thinking of this like in a positive mindset and you know right there might be a bad night of sleep but 
you're going to be able to get through it and um you know it's not going to like be the end of the world the next day um exactly so yeah i think that just compounds the problem when you are stressing about what is not working or what's not working within your control so i think that's a really valid point yeah okay well believe it or not we are at that 30 minute mark so um, unfortunately we didn't get to go through all the sleep hygiene, but I do believe that we have another podcast very, um, just focused 100% on sleep hygiene. I felt like it was really valuable for you to share with us your experience at the Arnold. So we spent a lot of time recapping that, but hopefully yeah. you all found value in this. If you are wanting a reference to the book that I was referring to, I will leave that in the show notes so that you know, the author and can kind of test to see what chronotype you are. Um, I think it's super interesting, but, um, yeah, with that, let's, uh, conclude this episode. If you would be so kind to leave a rating or review, we would sure appreciate it. Uh, anytime that you can do that, it just helps other listeners that are interested in similar topics, uh, find us. And then if you can also tag us on your story and let us know what you thought of the episode, it's always so appreciate, appreciated. We it just really, truly, we appreciate our listeners so much. And when you tell us what you liked about it or what your takeaways were, it just really makes it all worth it. So you can find us on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And if you would like to apply for a unique unicorn prep, that's tailored to you and your body and your goals, then you can go to glamgirlbikini.com, hit the get started button and apply for the team. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.